There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Things are only impossible until they are not. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a Star Trek Picard podcast on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... I'm Redshirt Dave, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 6 of Season 1 of Star Trek Picard. Well, that ramped up pretty quick. (laughs) I just saw something on the world of negativity, also called Facebook. Right. About people complaining how it's plotting. There was, I think, something on Screen Rant, too, about the plotting pace of uh, Star Trek Picard (laughs) is dragging the series down. Not anymore. Nope. That should nope. shut them up real quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do they call it up here in Boston? The Fellowship of the Miserable. <laughs> the Fellowship nice. of the Miserable. That That's Facebook and all the critics. Yeah. Oh, it's a sports reference. Yeah. Uh, when, the, when the Celtics weren't that good anymore. <laughs> right. They weren't having Larry Bird walking through that door. <laughs> and the Red Sox. They went how many years before uh, winning a series? Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> oh I, I, I think we enjoyed that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Being miser- miserable than the rest of the world. <laughs> you don't know what suffering is. Right. Only Cub fans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've got some early boomer talk in now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, kid, you kids don't know what suffering is. <laughs> Had to get up and turn the station on the TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> By hand. well shall we jump into episode six yeah it's pretty exciting let's do it so episode six also known as the impossible box and there's a few references to that picard and the crew track soji to the Borg cube in romulan space naturally resurfacing hunting memories for picard meanwhile narek believes he's finally found a way to safely exploit soji for information because he's a rat. A rat with tears, though, as, as we come to find. Right. That's willing to give up his name, so... I don't know if we can believe that one, too. No. I'm not You don't believe- think so? No. <laughs> not at all. Oh, man. You get a, a camera behind him to see if his fingers are crossed. Yeah. <laughs> well... Soji doesn't know about that. Why are your fingers always crossed? <laughs> right. Well, this is the first episode. We don't have any history to catch up with so i guess we'll just jump into the la serena yeah no history and i don't think anyone blamed picard for anything in this episode did they i don't think so he blamed himself (laughs) right i don't think anyone called him out on his past hooray yeah so we get to gerardi's secret i was wondering at the way the last episode ended like how the heck are they gonna keep agnes gerardi safe I don't know if the Serena has a brig or not. Right. I'm, so I'm, I was just thinking, like, geez, are they going to jail her? How are they going to know? The, at least the uh, emergency hologram should know. But oh, it starts yeah. out uh, that she's just chit-chatting with Picard and explaining away Maddox's death. You know, his heart just couldn't take it. I'm like, boy, they used to fix everything in all the other Star Trek series. When they, I mean, she had this line, like, was harder than, his death was harder than I imagined. Ha! That's funny, Agnes. Now, what <laughs> Go got ahead. me was... 
during this whole conversation, not once did she look into Picard's eyes. Never does. She didn't look in Rios's eyes either. She never does. No. Sometimes, I, this is a crackbox theory, sometimes I wonder if it's really her. Right. I think it is, but who knows what they can do at the end of the 24th century, and they've just, I mean, if you can hide somebody aboard a queue by masking them, I wonder if they can mask themselves, you know, send an agent, but I don't think so. That'd be too complicated. You might as well send the real Agnes out right. to space, but obviously she has an agenda. Yeah, oh, but you're yeah. right. She doesn't look anyone in the eye. Yeah. Picard confirms that Soji is aboard the artifact. He's not sure why he's, she's there. And, of course, he's not looking forward to uh, meeting her there either. He no. said uh, something like, my last visit to the Borg Cube was not voluntary. Right. <laughs> yeah. He had a bit of a, I wouldn't call it a meltdown, but he, he had a flash of anger, would you call it, Steve? When he, she kind of pressed him. Right. And I think she did it on, she was pressing him on purpose. Yeah. She's not being cute, Gerardi, just looking. I think she's following direction and pressing him on purpose to see what he gives up, much the way Narek is pressing Soji. Right. She gets a little pissed off too. And so he lost it a little bit. And because you could tell he was pretty distressed. He said something about how they coolly assimilate entire civilizations and systems in a matter of hours. And he had this great line, they don't change, they metastasize. And I'm like, geez, he's upset. Right. She really pressed his button there. Oh, yeah, she definitely did. And you really get the feeling at that point in time that, yes, there is definitely a deep-seated hatred for the Borg. And you yeah. can't blame him. No, not at all. So it'll be interesting to see if those feelings change. Back in the day when the movie came out, Star Trek First Contact. Yes. Starfleet didn't trust him because the Borg Cube was sent to attack Earth. Well, they had another plan too. see the movie. Yeah. (laughs) But they didn't trust Picard because of his prior assimilation. So they left him, what, space mapping or whatever he rolled right. his eyes at. And now that we see him here, he's with near another or inside a board cube, or he will be in this episode. Uh, maybe some of that, I don't know, caution by Starfleet was valid. Perhaps he was more composed back then in first contact and at that point of his life. But now that he's faced with another board cube years later, you can see how deep down it really affects him. Yeah, he doesn't have that. Ahab and the great white whale <laughs> attitude that he had in first contact, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was going to shoot his, if his heart was a cannon, he'd shoot it. Yep. <laughs> Herman Melville line from Moby Dick. Oh, yeah. That was a great movie. <laughs> yep. More boomer talk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so there was a great line by Elnor. He sees something going on between Gerardi and Picard. So he says to Agnes later, he can't see you're also haunted by something you'd like to forget. He doesn't know what it is either. No, he's he very doesn't. Up. But he knows and, something's up. Yeah, something's up. I don't know if she even looks at him. Well, what she did, she flashed a little anger. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> when he says, in budding. In budding, yeah. In budding, more in budding. <laughs> and she said, yes, the one she kind of stomped on, but it was one of the rare times she actually looked at somebody. Yeah, and threw hmm. some daggers through those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, we also get two sides of Rios in this episode. Because as troubled as she might be, Gerardi later in- encounters Rios on the deck. Of course, he's shirtless and kicking around a soccer ball. Plenty of room for that there. Oh, yeah. 
plenty I of room. about all that space. I guess it, it's for cargo, whatever he's sneaking right. around. Absolutely. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Star Wars and the Millennium Falcon. The Falcon doesn't have that much room, but they both do the same thing: is take cargo and ship it where it's not supposed to go or where right. he shouldn't be going. Uh, so I figured he has so much room. Yeah. Now it was curious that he was playing with a soccer ball because we're several centuries later, but maybe soccer did survive. Yeah. Actually, I was heartened to see that uh, when uh, in the old series the original series and the next generation of Star Trek. They always seem to leave things behind. They like to evolve their way past baseball. But as we saw in Deep Space Nine, there was still a, a baseball league out there. Right. So, but they didn't really talk about it. But obviously, Rios has, has got skills. Yes. So he must have uh, played soccer know. as a youth. Yeah, I guess so. And perhaps on a team. Yep. So that's nice. It's, it's good to see there's some things for our we can contemporary uh, relate to that things haven't vanished completely. Right. Now, of course, over a swig from his flask, she confesses, I've never slept with the captain of anything before. <laughs> a little <laughs> obvious there, Girardi. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is when my favorite Martian antenna kind of pricked up a little. Right. At first, she presses Picard a little too hard. Right. And now she just comes out and says, you should sleep with me. That it has to be delivered. She went on about how space wants you dead and it's cold and it's lonely. I need sex. <laughs> right. So why? I just think this is part of her mission too to well, first of all, to create an ally. Right. For sleeping together. And of course, uh, also to learn anything that he might know, a little pillow talk. Right. On She's what pretty- Picard's really up to. Right. Yeah. So more reason to I like Agnes, but she's yeah, it's not very trustworthy. <laughs> not right now. It's murderer. You could throw that in. <laughs> yep. And of course, she tells him she has a superpower that is recognizing mistakes as she makes them. And of course, Rios backs off just a bit, but not enough to say, nah, you need to be by yourself and deal with this. Because when he asks her what she's feeling... She goes hollow, hopeless, alone, and afraid, and grabs him by the hand, and off they go. Yeah. <laughs> what if they t- turned off the artificial uh, gravity in that Yeah. Room? Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, later in the episode, we see Rios helping Rafi back to bed after she is able to get Picard access to the artifact. Standing ovation, practically. Oh, yes. And she actually opens up to him about her son. Yeah. She had that crushed look on her face, too, after she signed off with uh, Starfleet there and got her way. Oh, yeah. And never call me again. Her face collapses. Yeah. They give her the applause, and she's just like, I don't want to hear it. Grabs a bottle and takes off to her room. Yep. And Rios basically puts her to bed and tells her that even though she's already passed out, that Mm-hmm. Can't be perfect at everything. Yeah. So, you know what, Steve? These two sides to Rios, it's reflected in his the emergency programs, too. Right. Like Absolutely program. it is. That's who he really is. He's nice. He's oh. concerned. He wants to know what's wrong. But, you know, outwardly, the, the human version, he's like, he's all bluster and pirate and stuff. And maybe a little bit of a jock, too, with, with the soccer ball. But there's his other side. And that's like. It's literally projected in those emergency medical holograms and the rest. Uh, that could be the, his other side. I wonder how much influence he had. I mean, they all look like him. I mean, they're all a lot nicer than he is. Yes, absolutely. 
or at least on the outside. Yeah, well, I think we're yeah, seeing yeah. that deep down, he that's that's who he, he really, really is. is. Yes. Yeah. So it's just getting him to drop the facade long enough to actually be himself and start making those connections with people again. Because yeah. he doesn't play the the gruff pirate with <laughs> Rafi at all. I know. Even holds her hand. Yeah. Now, of course, after she's slept off her binge, he gets <laughs> her some coffee and tells her that she owes him some latinum. Latinum, yeah. Because Soji is alive. Yeah. And they both just don't understand why the Talish Yar would want to keep her alive. Unless they want something from her. Yes. See, she sobers up rather well, I would say. I don't think I've ever sobered up no. the next day that fast. <laughs> no. The little copy sits up in bed and she starts being analytical. Yeah, you could see the, the wheels turning in her head. That yeah. This is going to be I, I, something that she's going to have to investigate. I thought for sure she was going to make a conclusion, too. Because she looked panicked. And, yeah. You know, we don't get to see the part where they run to the bridge, but you could tell she's putting the pieces together. I thought for sure they might have written in something. She, she's just going to blurt out, he's in trouble. But they skipped it. Right. Not that we didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, we get to Picard's plan. <laughs> now he's going to get on the Borg cube or the artifact, as we get the, as a lot of people call it. He goes to his study and he gets on the computer. And once again, they use that technique where you can see yourself through the computer. I mean, in our day and age, you often see in TV programs people looking into their mirror. Right. And so the director wants you to see that they see themselves. In other words, both sides of themselves. There's the person standing there as a person in the reflection. Now we see when he uses the computer, he calls up uh, Borg information. And he can see himself. It's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, and the music rises in the background, too, as his face as Locutus is merged with his face as it is now. Right. Kind of spooky. Yes, it actually was. And he reaches up like that implant is still there. Yeah, touches his face. So his plan to get on the cube is, isn't to use subterfuge. It's going to use the Kowat uh, Malat way, being perfectly open. I keep wanting to call him Elrond instead of yeah. Elnor. <laughs> <I know. laughs> my first, I have to stop myself because Elrond, he goes, that is the way. <laughs> yeah. He's the uh, Captain Obvious of this trip. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. But he's right. I had written something recently about hiding things in plain sight. I was trying to find out where the nest could be. We'll right. learn that later in this episode, at least a, a major clue. We still don't know for sure. But in Edgar Allan Poe's The Purloin Letter, a letter was stolen, but it wasn't really stolen. It was just hidden with all the other letters as the best place to hide something. Of course. And it's perfectly in the open. So I thought for sure we'd learn something more about the cube, but I don't think there was time for that. But, nope. you know, the Kawat Malat way and hiding things in plain sight is a pretty good allusion to storytelling from now and uh, centuries ago, even in our timeline. So uh, anyway, this is when Rafi calls her Federation buddy. I meant to look up that actress. I'd seen her in something recently. Did you get it at all? No, Steve? but yeah, I've seen her in several different shows. Maybe Falling Skies. Was her name Emmy on the yes. show? Yes. Okay, I'm going to take a quick look. Sharp Objects. I saw her in Sharp Objects. That was two years ago. Right. The Crossing. Right. She's in yeah, the Chicago the Fire and Chicago PD. I've seen her in something else. It yeah. wasn't Rizzoli Miles. <laughs> I mean, it was, but I don't remember her from that. She's a good actress. She's yes. going to be in something new this year called The Wilds in 2020. So I guess we'll look forward. The actress's name is Barbara Eve Harris. 
Oh, anyway, also known as Emmy right. on this, and she's the one that helped break Rafi's heart just a little bit more again when yep. she told her never to call her back. That poor lady. No wonder she drinks. Yeah. But they got access, so they can go aboard the Cube, which is where I've been dying to see them go. I mean, I, it's great to see Soji and Narg there, but come on, Picard, get on the Cube. This is where it starts to get meaty. Right, and he's the only one that's allowed to go. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll let you cover that part, but there is... <laughs> I think I know that what the Romulans did deliberately. Go ahead, Steve. Okay. Well, I mean, it was great to see Rafi come out from her bender, and basically she takes a hit off her vapor, <laughs> I know. the snake weed, and just bam, she's like she's not wasted at all. And you kind of go, wow, that's pretty damn slick. <laughs> yeah. Not only come out of a uh, hangover quick, she can take a swig and a puff. And call her old friend and pull the wool over her eyes. Pretty yeah. Good. And she's going to be a grandma. <laughs> but Emmy does get them access, but it's only Picard and it's only for 24 hours. And yeah. You won't need that much time. No, I wouldn't think so. Now, of course, Elnor is not real happy about it, not being able to go and protect Picard. Gerardi would... Rather not go on it. I wonder why. Would somebody recognize her, maybe? Would she blow somebody's cover? Yeah, that was weird. She comes to say that she doesn't want to go on there. It's sort of relief. Right. But what would she do if she went on there? I I mean, it looks like they directed whoever they are, you know, Romulan slash Federation. But I'm trying to wrap my mind around what she would actually get done. Right. Aside from revealing what Picard's after, but they're after the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. Sabotage? What would she sabotage? She couldn't sabotage anything. Maybe hide there? Maybe she's going there. It's like, I did your little job. Send me back to Earth or wherever because I can't go back. I just murdered somebody. Maybe that was it. Right. Maybe she's got to have a handler there and hide out wherever the handler is on there, like uh, Nerissa. Right. I guess. Nerissa's pretty cutthroat. I think Nerissa would kill her first. Yeah, oh, we don't need yeah. you anymore either. Really. That's right. <laughs> Sucker. So we see what Narek's plan is as mm-hmm. Soshi awakens from a reoccurring dream that she's been having. We saw images released by Star Trek.com of a young girl that looked a lot like Soji. And for a second there, I was hoping we'd see the nest or wherever the rest of them are. Right. I don't know why they'd be a child, but it didn't turn out that way because she was having a dream. A dream, dream, dream. Yes. And, of course, Narek is right beside her in bed and <laughs> tries to convince her that he wants to know every little thing about you. Yeah, pulls and, the covers over, oh, literally and fig- figuratively. <laughs> and of course, he tells her that everyone is hiding something, whether they know it or not. And you can just yeah. see Narek just slowly turning the screws, trying to get Soji to think. He's taking that Quat Milat way, too, by being hiding in plain sight, too. He right. always admits that he's curious. Yes. He always admits that he can't admit anything. And I, I think that intrigues Soji to a, a degree. Basically, his approach is, I'm being as honest as I can. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tells he, her everything. Yeah. Nothing. I, does the carrot dangle by <laughs> saying that he won't reveal his actual name. Yeah. But, of course, he suggests that she talk to her mom about her dream. That might have been a little too much, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that was still part of his plan. Yeah, part of his plan. There's no doubt that he wanted her to do that so later on he could 
tell her what he tells her. Now, yeah. of course, he goes back to his quarters and good old sis is there waiting for him. Man, she looks nastier every episode. Oh, yeah. Looking they, they, mean. I know. They seem to find a sharper edge to her makeup and lighting yeah, every so. time. She's getting, I don't know, she's less softer looking. And they've got her makeup where there's sharp points to the ears anyway. And then there's the eyebrows, which folk related. They've done something with the makeup to her cheekbone, too. Right. To yes, I noticed that, too. The The cheeks yeah. are much more sharper than they were before. Yeah. It gives her that menacing look. Right. She's evil. <laughs> She's just Romulan through and yeah. through. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, he tells her he's making progress, but once again, she's got to mock him about having feelings for a scent. Yeah. She's pressing his buttons. Oh, well, absolutely. She's, yeah. She's his handler, too. I mean, he's the field agent, and she, I guess she's the boss. She right. Has to, he challenges her in return sometimes, too. Oh, to yeah. To be patient. Patient. He's got a yeah, plan. With the, uh, yeah, she's not patient. The little Romulan Rubik's Cube that he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Her strategy to push his buttons is just because she doesn't know. He's pretty good at keeping his own secrets, and she needs to know as, as his handler. So that's why I, I figure she's so insulting with him, you know, and likes to mock him. Just so she can stay on top of the hierarchy as his boss. When I think she's threatened by him because he is so clever and she does lack patience. Right. Yeah, she could definitely get outmaneuvered by Narek. Marissa yeah. is all Romulan Green blood to the you know, core. seek and destroy, yeah. where yeah. Narek is much more analytical and... If you can say, he's probably the sneakiest of the Romulans we've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, because he has a, a subtlety that she she lacks. Yes. I think she's threatened by that, too. Yep, I think she is, too. I think she, when they were young, though, if we can uh, make some guesswork here, I would say she was probably the boss or the aggressor. Oh, yes. Back Absolutely. when they were kids. She's the older it, sister, so yeah, yeah he's yeah, going to be yeah. the aggressive one. Yeah, that's disappearing in front of her eyes. Take yeah. that, Narissa. We're uh, psychoanalyzing you. <laughs> <laughs> so Soji runs into Narek again and tells him that she had that dream. But when she talked to her mom about it, she fell asleep. Yeah. And he pretty much tells her, well, you always fall asleep when you talk to your mom. That yeah. was pressing. And I thought, oh, he's going to blow it. Yeah, I did too. But nope. He nope. was able to work it real well as, hey. Your calls only last 70 seconds because all calls are monitored in and out because of <laughs> the Borg technology. And yeah. I can show you the logs if you uh, want to see them. There he is, being a spy and being honest at the same time. Right. Give her a little bit of truth every time yeah. and hope that she buys the whole story. Yeah. So, of course, Soji goes back to her room and calls her mom. <laughs> and... <laughs> The same damn thing happens again as she starts to get drowsy because her mom says you're working too hard, you need to rest, and she even tries to stab herself in the hand to keep her awake, but it doesn't work. Yeah, when we thought about why she sleeps before, I mean, I had a, a tinfoil hat theory about that's when she gets an upgrade or receives more information. Right. Or it could be just as something as simple as they're not going to allow herself to consciously ask the questions and probe into her past by asking things of her mother. They just put her asleep instead, and she comes out of it like, oh, that was a good talk. Right. Whatever it was. Now. So when she stabs herself, I wonder if that's some type of self-preservation 
that was programmed into her. If she feels threatened, if she's not being physically threatened by somebody else, and that would blast her or disrupt her fire or sword or whatever, I wonder if she has the programming. Well, then you have, if no one's threatening, then you have to threaten yourself. What do you think of that? That's a possibility. Now, Mm, I mean, you could pinch yourself to stay awake or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go as far as stabbing myself, though. Yeah. So, so them, <laughs> that might, might reveal like that. Uh, something you might not want to see if you <laughs> yeah. happen to get something through your hand and you look and you see circuits instead of blood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if you were data, you would, too. That's right. Now, I just thought of this. If Maddox is actually the one that created them, which we have no reason to believe that he isn't, Yeah. but the Talis Yar completely destroyed his lab yes the lab he melted it with that whatever they call it right where is the mother ai program existing well i don't know yeah <laughs> i mean that yeah where does it come from exactly is it, so is it a, i'm at the I nest hope, yes it, maybe it is the nest i wonder if if there's organic androids at this nest i wonder if they all access the mother program and then go to sleep because obviously Part of Soji's program through the dreams is to question her existence, that cognitive dissonance. Right. And I'm thinking this through with you, Steve. Right. And it, it's so almost... I wonder if they're in some type of stasis, but if they ha- <laughs> if they're dreaming in stasis, then they access the mom program that's available there to calm them down and return them to sleep or stasis again. Right. It, it very well <laughs> could be. Yeah. It. it I kind of got the a flash of. Seven of nine getting in the regeneration pod situation. Yeah. Charge up the batteries. <laughs> yeah. Charge the batteries, get any updates that are needed. Pretty interesting. Yes. I'll have to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so when she wakes up from her desk, she grabs all the family photographs, childhood drawings, and everything she can find and starts scanning them to verify their age. And no matter what she scans, it comes back and tells her 37 months old. Yeah. So why didn't she access that programming before? Exactly. Well, I I guess there wasn't any reason to question. Yeah. Still. Childhood. (laughs) Yeah. Until now. I mean, she has the, uh, she had the equipment like stuffed in a closet where she could have checked stuff like that before. But you're right. There's, there was no reason to, to doubt her own memories. Right. Still, he gave her dreams to doubt her own memories and cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So he must have thought she'd find it sooner or later, right? Um, if, yeah, he, if she had was, to, yeah. Yeah. She had yeah. to. That's a puzzle box, too. Another impossible box to ponder. It's yes. A lot of the messages we've seen from the show as it progresses contradict themselves. Right. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Soji and her mission. I mean, supposedly, she was sent to the cube to solve the mystery of the ban. Really? Right. How? How? Yes. And she can't do it, at least as we spoke in our last episode, unless she's activated, because otherwise she would never question her existence. And that's a contradiction, Steve. It sure <laughs> is. And, uh, I'm going to climb into my regeneration chamber here <laughs> and charge my batteries. I'm confused. <laughs> exactly. Now, of course, Soji tells Nark about this. And of course, he comes up with the perfect answer. Someone may have implanted her with false memories as means of using her to find something on the artifact. Well, he's really walking the razor's edge on that one, too. Oh, yeah. First of all, talking to her like she's a computer. 
Yes. <laughs> and still, when planting a false memory, but uh, in the 24th century, it shouldn't be unusual to, to someone to uh, implant memories, I guess. Right. Absolutely you know? not. But I don't know what you would find on Artifact. Uh, when I was writing about Edgar Allan Poe's purloin letter, he just hide it in plain sight. So I figured, well, that's where the nest is. They'll never looking in the right under their own noses because it's in the Bohr cube, and that's where the rest of them are. Right. I, I'm still not. I'm not so sure about that. It doesn't seem to really fly. But I suppose if you can have a secret queen chamber, you never know. That's right. <laughs> what's on there? <laughs> so of course, Narek has a possible solution, as there is an ancient Romulan meditation practice of Zalmach that will unlock the true meaning of her dreams. How convenient. Yes. And imagine that, that it's actually completely shielded off from everything inside the artifact. I found that absolutely fascinating. The uh, Zalmach chamber? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they made it their own. It's interesting. They're they're so worried about their own psychology that they would actually install something. I mean, they were, as we have learned, they're the only race pretty much that had that wasn't assimilated. And the one time they tried it, didn't work out well. No, <laughs> exactly. I do have a theory about the Zalmach chamber, though. We can keep that for uh, Easter eggs and theories at the end. All right. So. Narek gets her transported back to the dark hallway we saw at the opening, and he counsels her to push past the point at which her father yells at her and the dream ends. And then it gets real interesting as she gets into her father's workshop, goes past the orchids, mm -hmm. and when her father comes towards her, his face is blurred. Didn't you wish you could see yes. <laughs> what that face would be? Right. It probably doesn't matter. No. Really. Probably not, but yeah, it'd been interesting to see Brian yeah, Blofen's yeah. face there. <laughs> if they actually chose an, an actual character from Star Trek past. Right. But that'd be, that would be a little too literal, I suppose. Well, yep. she saw her own face on the wooden doll. That was spooky. Yes, it really was. That would have woke me right up if I saw yeah. something like that. <laughs> yeah. But of course, Narek tells her to look up immediately, and she sees two red moons in an atmosphere wrecked with lightning. I actually started thinking, like, do we know something like that? Right. I was racking my mind thinking, do we know something from Star Trek lore? Right. I, I, could, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't either, but it sure wouldn't surprise me if it's an episode buried way back that it... I actually thought Mars, because Mars has the red planet. Planet, right. So maybe in the moons, what catch the reflection of the red planet. So, but we don't know Mars is stormy, unless that's some type of metaphor for uh, the attack on there and blowing stuff up. That's more tinfoil <laughs> stuff there. Right. Why would they attack the Mars center if that's where the nest is? Well, well, I know the why the Romulans would, to right. destroy it, but they, did, they didn't know. So it probably isn't Mars. Right. But Could be on one yeah. of the moons. Never know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Save you there. Now, of okay. <laughs> Soji wants to know what it means, and it, he tells him that it means you found home. Mm -hmm. And then you see how he's related to Nerissa as he basically tells her, you saw your father working on an artificial version of herself because you're not real and you never were. Yeah. And walks out on her. Yeah. Leaving his puzzle box, open up, and gas her with radiation. Do you suppose he was being deliberately cruel to her? 
just so he could pretend he's huff. Like, oh, I thought you were real. I mean, I don't know, you were a little Miss Pinocchio. I thought you were a real person. So now I'm storming out in a huff just to give him the excuse to storm out of the room. Of course, I know he wants to kill her. Right. Yeah. He got what he wanted. So it was, yeah, let's go ahead and finish this by taking her out. Because we see Nerissa watching the whole thing. Yeah. And definitely sends the information back to the Talish Yar of what Soji saw and what to look yeah. for to find the nest. So she approved. Yeah. She's saying something something like way to go, little brother. Yeah. <laughs> something to that effect. Yeah, well done, yeah, still, little brother. I was I, I'm just curious about how he stomped out like a jilted lover because she's not human. Right. But then he gets he gets to the other side and and the tears start coming down his face as right. she's screaming after him. Yeah, didn't make a lot of sense either. I could see the family resemblance there, but why be so mean if you actually did care about her? Yeah. There's a lot of conflicted emotions going on in that room as he actually yeah. works her to get the answers that he needs. Yeah. He was efficient, but I think his sister was right. He did care deep yeah. down. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. Anyway, that was pretty good. I thought when she's pounding her way through the floor there. Right. Super strength. It reminded me, uh, she's in a box, and Marissa had seen that puzzle box, the impossible box of Narek's, and said, well, I would just smash it. Right. You know, because I, I, I wanted to be able to, I don't want to solve it. I'll just smash it so I can go in. And here is Soji smashing her way out of her own box. Right, which Narissa had already walked off and didn't even know what was going on. In typical Bond villain fashion, I'll just leave Bond on this table here with a laser coming toward him. How can he possibly get out? <laughs> exactly. You wait till you have a yes. dead body. Stupid villain. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's another good movie you, you guys can look into, Goldfinger. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, we get to study Picard, PTSD, which was pretty interesting. We go back to the spaceship and then to the Boar Cube as he gets over there. And when he's beamed over there, they didn't give him docking privileges, Steve. Right. They wouldn't let him land. And so they beamed him in kind of just in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody around. Yes. So they deliberately isolated him. Right. In a dark, threatening room. He turns around and he sees all those regeneration chambers that he spent some time in, too. Oh, yes. So I think the Romulan strategy is to immediately put Picard at ease. For what reason? I'm not sure. Only maybe because they're evil. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. Let's uh, torture Picard as much yeah, as we possibly can. Yeah. While we got him here, why don't we torture him? I, right. I think that was it. That's, How that many lights point. do you see? Yeah. 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 Really? Three lights. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what towards in, unless it's just to be mean. He gets pretty panicky. Yes. And he starts wandering. And of course, they don't put any guard or safety rails. Oh, and those no. things, you better know what you're doing. He gets so panicky that he becomes disoriented. And he's he's only saved by a couple of XBs by grabbing his arm and having Hugh coming back to him, which right. I, I have to say was a great moment. Oh, absolutely. It was to see that. I mean, when you're two... watching it as a fan and you get all stressed out with the character, to see two old friends come together, it's like, whew. Yeah. <laughs> it helps you calm down because I was pretty much at the edge of my seat right around then. Oh, absolutely. And yes, that scene of them actually reuniting and hugging, it was just awesome. It was awesome. Phew. <laughs> yeah, it does not expect it. That's not how I expected it to happen, you know, before the season started. 
But yeah, it's, it's pretty seamless. They've done a good job with all the characters, and that that was a good moment to uh, snap Card out of his uh, panic. Yes, just in the nick of time. Otherwise, yeah, he'd have been falling off that walkway. Yeah. So he steadies him, and they walk together, and and they start to see other people. And Picard's looking around, and he's kind of amazed at these people without their appendages and attachments and everything else have been deborged because they're XBs now. It relaxes him. I mean, he's still a little freaked out <laughs> to see right. all these people walking around without parts. And he, he comes to a realization that they're uh, victims and not monsters. Which and is so, a huge change in his attitude from what we heard at the beginning of the episode when he goes off about them mastitizing everything. Yes, and he's he was part of that. Right. So he sees himself as a monster. So this is a real awakening psychologically for him. I think so, he, too. He's saying that aloud about somebody else, but he's really saying it about uh, himself. That yes. He's a victim, not a monster. And I guess he just went along for the longest time thinking he's a monster. Right. Absolutely, he did. Yeah. Very interesting. You almost wish for an extra half hour in this episode. I know, to explore that more. Yeah. I'm sure they'll find time. <laughs> so anyway, they, they move on to uh, Soji's room. And it looks like it's been ransacked yeah, by, like by burglars or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much done by herself, right? The way right. she... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, she trashed it pretty good once she... It finally hit her that everything she owns is only 37 months old. 37 months. <laughs> Not 36, 37. Yes. I try to imagine if there's some significance to that, but I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't 47. You know, you think yeah. that would be the perfect opportunity to throw in a 47, but nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, he sees it and he, he uh, deduces that she's close to discovering who she really is. But it took Narek to do it, though. It's st I'm still puzzled box, this impossible box of sending her to find out what the band is all about. Right. It still bothers me, Steve. She would never know unless right. someone pushed her, and, and the only way to push her is to threaten her. So right. It, I can't see how Bruce Maddox would want that. No. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe so she just does things subconsciously, digging in to learn more and more about what the Romulans are doing until it actually something important actually gets entered and then the mom does something yeah. to activate her or something. Yeah. As soon as you were saying that, I was thinking the same thing. Right. When she comes to her, her own slow realization, Right. Uh, she'll want to talk to her mom again. And then I guess the mom program will recognize what she's trying to say yeah. on the planet with it's lots of lightning and two red moons. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we were speaking how Soji smashed away out of the room and starts free falling through the cube and the those cubes are pretty big yes and so she's back on their radar screen for lack of a better term and yeah so he, <laughs> between <laughs> floors <laughs> this yeah, can't be floors, she's moving kind of fast so she's dropping between floors and i know people criticized it also on the on facebook also good old facebook about oh isn't it lucky she crashed right in front of him well it wasn't all luck I mean, no. dropping, they, they were heading in a direction where they saw her on the map. Right. So it's not like it was a coincidence. They knew where she was going to drop, so that's the direction they ran in. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I had no problem with that at all. No, me neither. And Card, I mean, they finally meet, hooray. And she has uh, her sister's Dodge necklace in her hand, which is a good move. I'm glad he brought that. Yeah. To show he can be trusted. Because now, at this point, I don't think she thinks she can trust anyone. Very true. 
my boyfriend just tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> she apparently didn't go to she the... didn't have the same programming that Dodge did to seek out Picard. Yeah, that's weird. I thought of that, too. I also thought of Agnes Gerardi. She kill, killed her own her old boyfriend, if you can call him that. I guess they were. Right. And uh, we see it mirrored between uh, Narek and Soji, another relationship gone extremely bad. Right. So this is when it really starts to crank up the episode. There's nothing like Romulans chasing you through a Borg cube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to get the old blood pumping, especially when you're sitting on your couch watching it. Yep. And Hugh leads them through all this thing. And when they enter, it's this clandestine queen cell, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Do you think every cube had a clandestine queen cell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Just absolutely, in case. Absolutely, yeah. And he didn't, none of them knew it there. I don't know if Hugh knew it was there. I guess he did. Yeah, both you know, knew but, that it existed. They just hadn't been in it before. Yeah. Do you think Hugh must have known about the spatial trajectory, though? Don't yes, you think? Or he didn't realize it as he was running. He just he knew where the chamber was. He just didn't tell anyone else. At least right. that's what I thought. Yes, absolutely. He knew where that what where it was located and how to get into it. Yeah. Okay. So that thing's cool. It starts, what did it do, come out of the floor or did it come out of the ceiling? I think it came out of the floor. Right. And he's hitting all sorts of things. And I thought, man, that reminds me of the original Star Trek episode, The City on the Edge of Forever. Right. Where they, they, they it was something similar, a rectangle. And back in the day of Kirk, he took, he and the crew, I think, I think it was McCoy ran through first and they right. had to find him. Right. To rescue him. Because, well, he, he ended up in 1930s America and he threatened to change time. Yep. Uh, for good. So they had to go back and, and I won't go into the uh, entire episode, but I love the the theme there and the possible reach back of the, this spatial projector that you can transport you through space and time. And it also had an, an allusion to it uh, um, from an original episode, which is called City on the Edge of Forever. Yep. So uh, as they're doing that, Picard contacts Rios. Uh, not only are they panicking a little, but I'm panicking a little too. Yes. <laughs> and, and he's just trying to hurry up and tell him, uh, that they're not coming back aboard the ship, that they're going to find another way out and to meet him there. And they're like, talk about cognitive dissonance. What? You're not coming back? No, yeah. How another you? way. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trust me. I'm Jean-Luc Picard. Everyone has to trust me. <laughs> yeah. And we see <laughs> that <you> didn't. <laughs> no, that, and a, it was a great moment, too. Not only did he tell them where to meet him, because they're going to do a way out. That's when Rios kind of turns his head like, where's the kid? He calls him the kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I think they broke. Uh, I think they broke for a commercial. Them like, oh come on, right? Elder couldn't help going to Picard's rescue there, and he Picard's all frustrated. He told he didn't want to risk him. He doesn't right. want to risk anyone now. He says he deliberately. Yeah, yeah, I ignored you. Yeah. <laughs> Something to that effect. I told you to stay aboard the ship. Yeah, I ignored you. Yes. He's <laughs> that was a great moment. Being absolute candor. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they they go through uh, that projector. And it's kind of misty, and it's, it's similar to the way that uh, rectangle in the city of uh, Edge of Forever too. You you would go into a mist and kind of slow down as you enter, and it seemed to do the same thing with the projector there, right? Trajector, I should call it, yeah, <laughs> trajector. But that leaves Elnor and Hugh behind, kind of hoping they go through there because there's a whole lot. It goes into black, and you can hear Elnor's voice. I think he says like. Friends, it's like, please choose to live. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. It doesn't matter what they're carrying for weapons. They're not going to make it out in one piece. No. He pretty much hacked his way through that other three yep. that uh, caught up to him, too. Like, damn, he's a samurai. Yes. So 
Yeah, I know a lot of people probably think that we're liable to lose Elnor right now, but I think he could handle his own given enough hiding places with Hugh to do a lot of damage to the Romulans on that cube. Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of them don't discuss the um, previews for the next week. I, right. I think we touched, I touched upon a few. Yeah. We didn't see Elnor at all No, in the preview. I'm not worried. Well, I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they did show Hugh, and uh, Arissa has caught up to Hugh. Yeah. And she looked, and she's in full bore threatening mode. But oh, no yeah. Elnor, though, so yeah. that'll be interesting to see how he got a Got yeah. out of there. I wonder if they. Uh, I wonder if they beamed him out, or he's just being held somewhere. Or maybe uh, Hugh deliberately stayed behind and found a place after the fight. Right. Uh, the high Delnor. I don't know. Yep, that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Is what's going on is Hugh has managed to get him stashed away until he can come up with a plan to get them both out of there. I wonder if Hugh can conceal Elnor. I mean, if you can track Soji, maybe the uh, Rhymelands can track. Elnor maybe found a way to conceal him. Right. You know? Very possible. Yeah. So, we're going to get to some uh, Easter eggs and theories. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So, as as you recall from watching the show, anybody that uh, watched uh, the Next Generation series, the original Picard, Data used to dream a lot. He, he had no need for sleep. He's an android. But he was engaged in a practice in order to experience dreaming. And, of course, it was kind of funny back then, too. Yes. <laughs> it would be pretty unique. And Data was always draw paintings and there was an episode called phantasms which was pretty good in case you want to see what the uh, data used to do with his d- dreams he's funny because he used to be such a dry character yes too. he would be confronted with his own not humanity but since he's surrounded by humanity he'd, be, he'd always have that puzzled look on his face like hmm. he'd always go hmm. yeah very elnorish actually yeah he was very uh, absolute candor. He always spoke the truth, and yeah. even if it got him in trouble. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And it was someone would give him a look, you know, like that would be that was in budding. Yes, exactly, then. exactly. <laughs> so they went to when they stepped through that uh, special trajector. Picard said he wanted to go to Nepen. Is that how you pronounce it? Do you think Nepenthe? I think is how Nepenthe. Yeah. yeah. Nep- okay, and that's. Uh, that was referred to in Homer's Odyssey, and it's the name of a drug that causes forgetfulness and cures sorrow. And I'm, I, I can't help but think that's where Riker is. Yes, yes, in absolutely. Troy. So why would they? Why would they want to forget? Do they have some sorrows that they, you know, and they would escape there, or they just wanted to be so insulated? And have, why would they want to have nothing to do with their past? And do you have any thoughts on that? Not really. I mean, it kind of blows me away too. I guess. Well. You had thought she had gone. They had gone back to uh, their home world, right? To Betazoid. world. Yeah, yeah. But no, they've gone to now. Yeah, I guess I can see why they would go to a different planet just to try to keep away from Troy's mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, wow. I don't. I don't know <laughs> I don't why know. they would really want to forget something unless they're also really upset about data's death and how it all ended for picard maybe maybe yeah that's kind there of stretching was, it but <laughs> I, yeah well i guess there's a book coming out or is out now about Worf, captain of the enterprise and it seems to have ticked off Riker a little i mean right. i haven't read the book but it's on the internet and that's someone said uh maybe that's why they went out there he's so pissed off <laughs> right. that he had to move to a unknown planet <laughs> I, I also thought that 
Well, not completely, I know. That Troy's powers might have gotten so strong that she doesn't want people around her because she's constantly feeling their emotions. Very possible. Anyway, the Sicarians, I guess, were mentioned in this episode. They built that transporter. and has a range up to 40,000 light years, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you wonder how people can get around. I think it was Q that brought a Borg out of the Delta Quadrant, right? right? Yep. And across the galaxy, just with a snap of his thumbs. But we learned about that, the Voyager in the episode Prime Factors. Yeah, so they wanted that to use that transjector really, really, really bad. But the Sicarians were not going to let them use it. And oh, right. they thought real hard about trying to just take it. Right. I think they finally decided that that was not the way to go. Yeah, that was a good episode. Yes, it really was, because it brought up a lot of questions on how far will you go to get back home? Yeah, I think the one of the last Easter eggs was Picard taking a stroll down Borg memory lane in, yeah. <laughs> in his uh, hollow office. Uh, we we spoke, we touched on it briefly earlier and how all the images, including when he came across Hugh's face, he's like skipping across it. I'm not so big, just a, on a, a side here on seeing your computer projected in front of you. I mean, you can it's translucent, so you can see the room behind you. Isn't that a little disorienting? Don't yeah, you think, just Steve? a little bit. <laughs> or just, or is that just me? No, I think it's <laughs> just us old guys that yeah. are used to staring into computer screens. Yeah, that are solid. Yeah, I don't know. It's cool. I know. And uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, Soji was. She had that device that had a display that came from it too. It would scan, and then it would beam up a display. And they always are ripping through it with their fingers. Right. I don't know. I would find that disorienting. Is it's the past is disor- disorienting enough? Yes. Hard. We see all those images. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want it beamed right in front of my face like that. No, I think it would be but, very uh, difficult. I'm not so much uh, thought of this as a theory or an idea. That room. What was the name of the room that Narek took Soji, where they would go back and meditate? It was all locked. On the- yeah. I wonder if that was institutionalized forgetting. It's supposed to relax them and so they can get in contact with their inner self. And right. He had spoken to her about when he was talking to his sister. He's, he's talking about Soji about the dreams and cognitive dissonance. And she has to work her way through it. Right. Discover who she really is and I guess find out what the band is, is for, and why she was put on the cube. And I was thinking that of that in terms of the Romulans or the Romulan species themselves. I don't know how much we know about Romulan philosophy, but right. obviously they have a room where they can deal with their own cognitive dissonance, bad dreams, and a place to meditate and go on a, a path. Right. A journey. And I just, yeah, a journey. And I was thinking in a larger sense, since I think my own theory is that they travel through space and their their own they came from organic androids themselves and that's a right. great secret. I wonder if these rooms are actually institutionalized places where they go so they can rid themselves of questioning themselves. You know, they can go relax. It's up to everybody to question your reason for being. Oh, absolutely. Right? But I think by going in that room, it's actually an institutionalized way of not questioning your past. Yes. It relaxes you so you don't think about your past. And I think that's part of the Romulan culture is to not to question where you came from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And it's up to the secret, secret police to make sure that is enforced. Right. I mean, why have, why have this institutionalized forgetting if, I mean, if somebody actually decides to 
actually think about their past and look into it, well, that would mean that'd be a death sentence. So oh, if, the yes. insti- if the institutionalized forgetting doesn't work, you can always be killed. Yeah. <laughs> if you question too much. And I think that, what is the name of that, uh, their secret, uh, is it the Jot Bosch? Yes. Yeah. I think that's the reason why they're around. Yep. To enforce like that, lack, that backward thinking. Yep. Question your own uh, species and origin. They're, they're secret protectors. Yep. There you go. I like it. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. We do have some feedback this week from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. He's Fred giving back. us some uh, feedback for episodes five and six. So let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 5. First off, I have some problems with people everywhere on internet that are more or less disappointed about that the Picard we see here is not the Picard we are used to. Some people really want to go back as they knew their old Picard and I think he really has changed. He has experienced all kinds of trauma and... This is the old guy we get, and that's quite different, and I think they do it in a fantastic way. You also hear people say, this is not in character for Picard, he wouldn't do this or that. I think we have another guy here, so we can't even anticipate anymore how he would react. And another thing, this is also one of the reasons this changed Picard, why Refi had so much problems with him and when he arrived at her place that she just said, go away. And I even think that this is one of the conditions Sir Patrick had when he took this role back. He just didn't want to portray the same Picard as in seven seasons of The Next Generation. He really wanted to do something different. And perhaps even according to his age and his own life experience. You are are different when you're 80 than you're 50. And I even experienced that myself, that I'm quite different now, being almost 60, if I compare that to when I was 40. One other thing I want to come back to is that I made some remarks about Sir Patrick's acting, and I still have sometimes the feeling he's not 100% as he was, but whatever, he's an old guy. I actually thought that is it, he is an old guy. If you look in his face, or in the face of every 80, 90 years old person, you get some neurological innovation, degradation, you get some muscular atrophy, your eyelids are going to hang. So the possibility to show expression is much less when you have an older face. And I think that is partly the reason here. And I did a little experiment, so one of the scenes I thought the acting was not optimal, I just replayed that and closed my eyes and only listened, and then it became much better. Okay, not much time left to talk about episode 5. It was partly, of course, a fun episode, with all the dressing up, etc. It was a very nice episode in the sense of Seven's life story here. I think the acting of Jerry Ryan was very good, much better than I actually anticipated. The story of Raffi with her son was a little bit a trope. There are three more or less major series I watch at the moment. That is Star Trek Picard, that is uh, Sex Education, and the third one is the YouTube series, which is very nice. Impulse, 
And they all have this same topic. So a parent, a mother in most cases, that are not doing their job very well and they try to reconnect to their children. And even Batwoman, which I'm also currently watching and I'm at episode 6, has more or less the same theme. Last topic is of course Jurati. Is she influenced somehow by O or what is happening? Why does she do this? Okay, now some feedback for episode 6. A really, really good episode. It really brought the story forward and the search for Soji is finished, or at least Picard found Soji. She is more or less aware of her situation. Very nicely filmed that, how she realized that something is really wrong, scanning all her stuff and everything is 37 months old. I think this is a big difference with Dash, because Dash never knew in that sense that she was an android. She did know that there was something strange with her, but that she was an android, a synth. I don't think so. So this surely will make Soji's story quite different from Dash's story. One of the best scenes I found how the half-high, half-drunk Raffi was able to play her old friend Captain Emmy. Really, really nicely done by her. And you feel the tension and she plays it very well. Uh, Not in the sense of acting, yeah, that was also good. But how she manipulated this woman into giving them this official letter of credence. What I found very strange is at the end that Elnor did not go with Soji and Picard and stay there to giving him the possibility to leave. The only thing if if this whole thing that the Borg Queen arranged, this secret spatial trajectory, if that had to be hidden again and if they all would leave, the other ones would discover it the same exit way and they would follow or something like that. And that's the whole reason he remained there and you could hide that trajectory in time. Another question of course is how did you know about such very secret exit way for the Borg Queen? What is so special about you that he knew this? I still like the interaction between Narissa and Narek. The teasing there and the tension there. It's 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 appealing somehow without being too weird here. But nevertheless, I wonder how Narissa and Narek will stay in the story. Well, for for Narek it's more easy, probably. And I wonder if he will feel some remorse. Got too emotionally attached to it, as his sister says. I wonder what will happen there. And I wonder if Narissa will still play a role in future episodes. Or she's out from now on. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Fred, that was some amazing feedback there. Yeah, a lot of points. Let me tell Fred a little bit about growing older. It's not neurological degradation or muscular atrophy, it's character. Right. When I look at myself, I obviously am getting more character to my face. Nothing. It's not atrophy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fred, who's almost 60. (laughs) He shouldn't. He knows. He's our age. (laughs) Getting there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to to counsel him on that. Don't don't worry about it, Fred. You're just, you're not getting older. You're just building character. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But we are glad you are starting to enjoy, sir, acting and 
have come to the conclusion that I think all of us have that this is the Picard that Sir Patrick wanted to play, not the next-gen Picard. And we just have to accept that and enjoy the ride. Yeah, and his character. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad he's coming around to that. He seemed, uh, I mean, a little bit, I wouldn't say hypercritical of Sir Patrick's acting. But a little tough on him. You know, I cringed a couple of times, like, hey, give the guy give the guy a break. Right. I think he's supposed to be supposed to be acting that way. I think he's doing a real good job. The the subtlety of his facial expressions. I think the the two best characters on the show for subtlety is Picard's character and, and Raffi's. Right. My opinion. Yep. I mean we just saw the softer side of Rios and and as we noted, Agnes Girardi, she's always looking down. Right. Staring <laughs> yeah. out in space. Yeah. Yeah. It's- but, but, Interesting to see, yeah. It's something you do when you're you're hiding something. And, of course, Elnor, whose facial expression doesn't change that much, picked up on it right away. Yes. He, he knows she's hiding something. Yeah. So if Fred's offended by some of the people criticizing their acting, I, I guess these people out there just don't know what they're getting. Right. Can't you appreciate know, or, it for yeah. what it is. Yeah. They had a preconceived idea going in, and it's not what they thought it was going to be, and therefore it's no good. Yeah, that's too bad. Yes, it is. Hopefully it'll come around. I mean, this, this episode was pretty thrilling. Yes. Yeah, both at, of the at, last two episodes were really great. And yeah, yeah, Jerry Ryan was absolutely amazing, and I hope we get her back. Yeah, I hope so, too. There seem to be hints that she might come back, but I don't see how unless it's to rescue uh, Hugh and Elnor, which yeah, would be fantastic. Which, yes, it would be. And yeah, episode six definitely brought the story forward in leaps and bounds, but I do still think we're going to have Nerissa and Narek still in the story as they are not going to be satisfied just knowing where the nest is. They've got to kill Soji as well, so they will be chasing Picard across the universe. So I think we're going to see them at least until the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. Well, Nerissa has to at least confront Hugh. Yes. As to whether uh, he stayed behind. So he's going to get grilled by her. That's her job. Absolutely. She's the mean one. Yeah. And we both thought that the scene with Rafi being able to get Picard access was very well played by Rafi in manipulating her old friend, which had to be extremely difficult to do. Yeah. Great moment when her face just sank. You know, when their friend told her never to call her again. This will right. be the last time Michelle yes. Heard killed it again. Yes, she absolutely did. So, Fred, we really appreciate your feedback and are looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the next episode. Fred back. Yes. Get some we, feedback called Fred back. Yep. <laughs> we would love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting with you on social media. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? I can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link there. And there will be several ways to contact us via email and social media. On Twitter, uh, Steve's at, at Sawyer Steve, and I'm at the real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Picard podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The next episode is on March 5th and is titled Nepenthe. At least I hope I said that right. So until then, remember, this is Chief Engineer Steve. 
They're victims, not monsters. This is Red Shirt Dave. And it, it, it's always good to have a friendly face. And if you don't have one of those, I'll just bring your stuffed little monster with you.